Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Mike Yearly, continues his series entitled, The Message and the Movement, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And today's message is the ninth in the series, and it's entitled, The Character of the Kingdom, Courage. Well, good morning. Hey, just want to let you know that if you show up at peak price tonight at 7 o'clock, you're going to miss an hour of it, okay? So we're starting at 6 o'clock, and uh, just uh, the last couple of months have been phenomenal times I've just uh, uh, with God, and just to encourage you to come out and uh, to join us as we just go before the Lord as a church, just to spend some t- un- un- uninterrupted time with the Lord just in His presence. So uh, isn't it an awesome day out there? It's so good. Have you guys woken up yet? No, I, I can tell. Some of you haven't. Uh, so this morning, I went up and I, uh, early this morning, and you know, the winds are blowing. So I went up in the hills behind Simi, and there's like green, and green out there. And went on that walk, and you feel the, that tremendous wind in your face, you know. It's just such a great day to be alive. And uh, so I know that most of you don't feel that way, but I feel awesome. So it's just... <laughs> It's a good thing because I'm the guy talking. But uh, we're going to be going into our time of teaching right now. Uh, my name is Pastor Mike, and I'm the lead pastor here at Rocky Peak. And inside of your bulletin is a, a white message note sheet. And uh, we use that every week as we go through our time of teaching. We're actually in a series right now in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're brand new, uh, you can join in. You've got your Bibles with you today. Yeah, you got your Bibles. Good, 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 very good. Got your Bibles. Awesome. And uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you want to get a jump on things, that's where we're going to be as we continue this study, uh, the opening uh, section. And uh, so let me pray. And then uh, we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. And God, we just want to be a church that's full on following after you. You know, we just pull out all the stops. We're on the run. We're with you. And today, Lord, it's a challenging message. It's a, it's a, it's a soul-searching message. It's one of those that's going to make us sit up and think and, and really do some soul-searching. We really want to be your followers. We want to be in the crowd. And, and so, Lord, we pray that you'd come and be with us today and that you would just show us uh, your, who you are in a special way that would cause us to, to follow after regardless of cost. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it started on a Monday. The date was February the 23rd, 156 A.D. It happened in a place called Smyrna. Smyrna was a famous city in the ancient world. Famous for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons it was famous was because of its athletic games were there. People would come from all over to be a part of them, much like the Olympics. So it's a famous city. If you've been a Christian a while, you may recognize the name of Smyrna. Does that ring a bell to anyone? It's just a few of you. Okay, great. Well, hopefully next year we'll know more about our Bibles. Anyway, in the book of Revelation, the opening, seven, the opening uh, chapters of Revelation, Jesus sends a message to seven churches in Asia Minor, uh, modern-day Turkey, and uh, seven messages through his apostle John. You remember that? And one of those was to the ancient town of Smyrna. There was a church there. They were going through a hard time of persecution when Jesus sent that message back through the apostle John. And uh, the message was to stand firm and, and hang in there and be tough because I will reward you and this will all pay off in the end. And so now we're fast forwarding though from the time of the book of Revelation. We're fast forwarding 70, 80 years. It's February 23rd. It's a Monday. It's, not, it's 156 AD. And once again, opposition against Christians is, is on the rise in the city. And the city is packed because the athletic games are happening that week. And so on that Monday, we don't know how. We don't know why. We don't know what set it off. But all of a sudden, there was this, this kind of mob that formed. And they began calling for the death of Christians. 
Now, there was a leading Christian in the town. He was sort of, we call him the bishop. He's like the lead pastor of all the churches in the, in the town of Smyrna. And his name was a man named Polycarp. He was 86 years old. In fact, he was so old that it's very likely that he was one of the recipients of that love message from Jesus in the book of Revelation. It's very likely he had grown up there and that he had actually received that, that one of the, the people who read that first letter, the, the book of Revelation. But now it's like he's an old man now and he's become the head of the whole church and and so he's, he's, he's the leader. And so as this mob, this mob forms and they're calling for the head of Christians, someone says, let's get Polycarp. Polycarp's their leader. Let's get Polycarp. And so this search starts off. The whole search, they're going through the city looking for Polycarp. And they finally find him. The police are involved. And the police get there. They come and the police captain goes to arrest him. But he has some respect for this old man. He's a respected man. He's a good man. And so he says, do you have any requests? And he says, yes, I have requests. Before you arrest me and take me in, could I have an hour to pray? And so we went to pray, they made him a meal, and now they're taking him, they're going through the city streets, the mob is there, everyone's crying for blood. As they're going through the city streets, the police captain pulls him aside and says, hey, why don't you just save yourself? He says, this is not gonna get, this is looking ugly. Why don't you save yourself? What's with you Christians? Why won't you just, just burn the incense to the Caesar? Just say, once a year, Caesar is Lord. Burn the incense to Caesar, saying that he's God. And then you'll get your little strip of paper, and we'll say that you've done it. And then you can avoid all this, and you'll avoid all the danger. And Polycarp says, you don't understand. We're followers of Jesus. We believe there's only one Lord. It's Jesus. We believe there's only one God. We don't burn incense to any man as God. And so they take him into the arena, and you can picture it. You've seen the movies. Uh, you kind of picture the Roman thing, right? You, can, you got the big Colosseum, and you got this big arena, and all the crowds, and they're calling for blood. And they take Polycarp, 86 years old. Look, he goes up to talk to the Roman proconsul, one-on-one, top Roman official in the city. And one-on-one, they look eye-to-eye. And the proconsul, with the crowd calling for, him de- for his death, he says to him, Polycarp, I'm going to give you a choice. You either curse Jesus and you burn incense to, the, uh, to, to Caesar and you say Caesar is Lord or you'll die. You die right here. You die right now. We'll burn you to the stake. Can you picture it? Are you there? Are you there in the arena with me right now? Can you see that? Can you see Polycarp? Can you see the Roman proconsul? You see the crowd calling for his death. I want you to fix that image in your mind for a second. You got it? You got it? Now, here's the question. I want to ask you, if you were Polycarp, what would you say? Let's just pretend for a second. It's not about Polycarp. It's you. You are there, and the choice is given you, curse Christ or die right here, right now. We're taking you out. What would you say? Today we come to the eighth beatitude in our study on the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been here for the last, uh, the last few weeks, the last couple months, you kind of know how this story goes, but... Um, but if you're new, let me just quickly bring you up to speed. Just take a couple minutes. Jesus has just launched his movement. It's in the north of Israel. It's very popular. People are coming from all over to hear this man teach and to perhaps catch a miracle. And as they're coming, Jesus feels a need at a certain point to take the crowds and his disciples up the hill north of the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. It's a beautiful area. To take them there, overlooking the sea, and to share with them the message of his movement, what he's all about. 
He starts the message off with eight simple statements. We call them beatitudes or blessings because they all start the same way. Blessed is the person who does this because he will receive that. It was sort of the standard Jewish way of teaching. It was a way of saying, do you really want to be happy in life? Do you really want to get the most out of life? Do you want to to get all that God has for you? Well, if so, this is what you need to do. But of course, in the process, Jesus is spelling out for us as followers, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? What does, it look, what does he want to do in our life? What's the character he's trying to create? What's the mark of a true disciple? What does that look like? And so in these eight statements, he's laying out what we're calling the character of the kingdom, eight character qualities. Today we come to number eight. It's the character quality of courage. Jesus is going to say that if you want to be a follower of his, it's going to require courage. It's impossible to follow Jesus without courage. And so what we want to do is we want to do today what we've done every week is just take this opening statement of Jesus and this beatitude, and we want to use it as a gateway into the life and teaching of Jesus. What does Jesus say about courage? What does he teach about persecution and the cost of following him? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we will be in verse 10. Matthew 5 and verse 10. Let's read it together out loud. Ready? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's read it again. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are those, or happy are the people, who are willing to be persecuted, to go through hard times, to go through pain in their life for the sake of doing the right thing. He said, those people are truly happy. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who gets into the kingdom of heaven? Who is a true follower of Jesus? He says, one of the marks of a true follower is they're willing to pay the price of pain. Now, this is an interesting thing, because if you go back to the beginning of this, um, the very first, today, you know, today we're on the last character quality, if you look at the verse 3, we have the first character quality. Remember this, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who know that they don't have what it takes, blessed are those who have, know they, they have no excuses to make. Remember, we, we talked this, blessed are the losers, right? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who gets into the kingdom? Who gets into the kingdom? Who, what kind of people? People who know that they don't have what it takes, right? Now, that's how he starts the Beatitudes. Now, look how he finishes the Beatitudes in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of the righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Twice in these eight Beatitudes, he says, theirs is the kingdom. It starts with being willing to understanding we don't have what it takes. It ends with being willing to pay whatever it costs, you see? And between these, you have the rest of them, the rest of the Beatitudes. Okay, so what, what, does, uh, what does it mean to be persecuted? Well, he's, he gives us a couple verses of explanation, verse 11 and 12. Follow along. He says, blessed are you. He's gonna give us some illustration. He says, for example, blessed or happy are you when people insult you, uh, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you. They slander you, you know, because you're a Christian. Verse 12, he says, here's how you need to respond. You need to rejoice, you need to be glad, you need to throw a party, get excited. He says, when you're going through hard times for doing the right thing, you're getting uh, put upon for being a follower of mine, you need to be excited. Why? 
because in the long run it's going to pay off. He says, uh, because in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, hey, when people, he says, it's always been this way. Since the beginning of time, Cain killed Abel. Why did he kill Abel? Because his brother's acts were righteous and his weren't, right? From the beginning of time, the, the darkness hates the light. From the beginning of time, if you stand for what's right, there's a price to pay. And Jesus says, this is one of the marks of my followers. If you want to follow me, if you want to move from the crowd into the kingdom, what does it take to move? Remember we talked about this that very first week, that there was all kinds of people listening there to Jesus that day. Most of them weren't in the kingdom. They were in the crowd. What does it take to move from being in the crowd to the kingdom? Well, one of the things it requires is we're willing to pay the price, okay? So that's the passage. Now, here's what we want to do. In the time that we have uh, today, I want to do a couple things. First of all, I want to start with what I'm calling three persecution principles, okay? We're going to look at the life and teaching of Jesus. What does he teach about persecution? What should we expect? How should we approach it? And there's three persecution principles, And then I want to come back at the end and say, well, what about us? You know, are we prepared to pay that price? Uh, Maybe you've never thought about it before. Maybe you have. But I want to ask you some questions to say, well, okay, are you a follower of Jesus? If you are, are you prepared to pay the price? Because obviously it's important. He says, you want to be part of my kingdom, you got to be willing to, to pay the price. So we'll get real practical at that point. Okay, so let's jump in. Number one, you have there on your note sheet a section called The Call to Courage, Three Persecution Principles. Now, so here we go. Number one, if you want to follow Jesus, okay? Now, this you've got to think about this in your own life. Do you want to follow Jesus? Remember, we started this series saying you can be in the crowd or you can be in the kingdom. You can be in the crowd or you can be a disciple. Just, by, just because you like listening to Jesus, just because you like reading the Bible, just because you like going to church, you like hanging out with Christians, doesn't make you a member of the kingdom, right? It just makes you part of the crowd. There was a lot of people there that love Jesus, love to hear him teach, love to hear him do the miracles, or watch him do the miracles. Really cool, just see that one. But, but that doesn't make you a disciple. A disciple happens when you decide, okay, I'm in, I'm gonna follow. And so we have to decide, are we going to follow? But here's the principle, is if you want to follow, then persecution is part of the package. It just comes with the car. It's like the wheels. You know, you don't, you don't buy the car without the wheels. It's just part of the package. Now, let me ask you something today. I know a lot of us are followers of Jesus here. Let me ask you a question. How many of you get really excited about this? You say, that's the reason I follow Jesus, because I look forward to the persecution. That, that's really, I'm into rejection. That's my thing. I love it. When people hate me, when they insult me, they persecute me, they, they slander me. Man, I just, I love that. How many of you like that? You're like, yes, that's it. That's why I'm in, right? No. None of us want to go through pain and persecution, right? I mean, it's just not natural. We want to be popular. We want to be with the in crowd. We want to have friends. We, we want life to be easy and smooth. Nothing wrong with that. That's natural. So what Jesus is saying is that if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to be supernatural because it's not natural to be willing to do this. But here's what I want you to catch. I want to be really clear of this. Jesus is clear, not only here, but throughout his teaching, and you'll see it in your life groups this week, Jesus is clear that if you're going to follow him, there's going to be times there's going to be a price to pay. Sometimes that price, as we'll see today, is going to be huge. 
Sometimes that price will be smaller. But if you're going to be faithful to Jesus, there will always be a price to pay. And if we want to follow him, then that's just part of the package. We just have to kind of understand that. Now, we don't have time to look through all the teaching of Jesus on this, but let's look at one of the things he says. Let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 15. So move to the right in your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And John chapter 15. Now, the scene here is that Jesus is about to leave. This is the last night he's with his disciples before uh, he's arrested. And so he knows he will be leaving within hours. And he needs to prepare them for this departure. And it's a big time thing. They don't know this is coming. Not real clear, but he knows it's coming. And so he has to talk to them about their future. And one of the things he really wants to talk to them about is this whole persecution thing. He wants to let them know, hey, you're in for it. You're in for it. They're going to be coming after you. And so after I leave, it's not going to always be easy. And so it's part of the package you need to be prepared. So if you look at uh, John chapter 15, let's see what he says. John 15 and verse 18, he says, uh, if the world hates you, he's talking to his 12 disciples, if the world hates you, uh, keep in mind it hated me first. So you're not alone in this thing. He says, if you belong to the world, you're part of the world system and their values and so on, then they would love you as its own. But as it is, you don't belong to the world anymore. I've chosen you out of the world. You were once a part of the crowd. You're now part of my kingdom. I put my spirit in you. You're new people. You've got a new calling. You're part of a new thing. He said, so as it is, you don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you out. And that's why the world hates you. And he says, so remember the words that I spoke to you. So this is not the first time he's taught on this. He says, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. And so if they persecuted me, guess what? They're going to persecute you also. It's just part of the package. We'll talk about this more later. But there's going to be a lot of people in your life. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It doesn't have to do with how you're handling yourself. It doesn't have to do with how you're saying it or could I have said it better. It's just they just don't like you because they don't like him. It's just part of the package. We'll, we'll jump into that more later, okay? So let's, uh, let's go on. Number two. There's a second principle, persecution principle, and it goes like this. That persecution is going to come in many shapes and sizes. It's going to look differently in different situations, different eras, different countries, different jobs. It's going to be different. Sometimes it's going to be really big. Sometimes it's going to be small. It will vary what it looks like. We need to be prepared for it either way. We started today with the story of Polycarp. You want to go back there? See what he said? Let's go back to the story of Polycarp. So it's 156 AD again, right? It's Monday, February 23rd. And he's there. The crowd's calling for his death. And the Roman proconsul, one-on-one. You know, they're just eye-to-eye. What's it going to be? Curse Christ and die, you know, or, or give up Christ. And so here's what Polycarp says. You know, what would you say? Right? This question, what would you say? Here's what Polycarp says. He says, uh, he says, you know, I've been following Jesus for 86 years, and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? He said, you threaten me today with a fire that burns for a short time and then it's quickly extinguished. He says, because you don't know about the fire that's coming upon the wicked that will burn forever. Come and do to me what you will. Isn't that awesome? It's like a Braveheart moment, right? You just want to charge the hill. You'll look for someone to fight. It's like, you go, boy. 
He's like, yes. You know, he takes a stand. And so the crowd goes crazy. The Roman proconsul, he gives the command for, the, for him to be burned. The crowd takes off throughout the city looking for wood, spare wood to create the fire. They, 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 they come back, they're throwing the wood on, they're making this huge, huge like funeral pyre on top of this stake. And they go to take Polycarp, and the soldiers go to arrest him or take him, and they, go to, they take the thongs off, they're gonna tie him to the, to the stake so he won't get away when the fire starts. And he says, Proconsul, I just have one request for you. He says, well, what is it, Polycarp? He says, my request is you don't tie me to the post. He says, because the one who gives me courage to face the flames, he will give me the strength to stand in the flames without your thongs. And they lit the fire, and Polycarp went to be with the Lord. You see, sometimes it's like, that's huge, isn't it? That's huge. It wasn't unusual, though, for the early church. You know, there's a commentator named William Barclay. He's written a commentator, kind of a book, a, a commentary on every book of the New Testament. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, this blessed are those who are persecuted, he writes this. This is commentary. I put it there on your note sheet so you'd have this. He says, the penalties, which a Christian, he's talking about in the early church, you know, these early hundred years, few hundred years, the penalties which a Christian had to suffer were terrible beyond description. All the world knows of Christians who are flung to the lions or burned at the stake, but those were the kindly deaths. Nero, remember Nero was the Roman emperor about in the 60s AD. He was the one who uh, had both Paul, the apostle Paul and Peter put to death. Crazy guy. He's guy burned down part of Rome and then blamed it on the Christians because he wanted to build a new palace. So Nero wrapped the Christians in pitch and he set them on fire like as lights. He used them as living torches to light his gardens. He would sow them in the skins of wild animals and set his hunting dogs upon them to tear them to death. They were tortured on the rack. They were scraped with the pinchers. Molten lead was poured hissing upon them. Red hot brass plates were affixed to the tenderest parts of their bodies. Their eyes were torn out. Parts of their bodies were cut off and roasted before their eyes. Their hands and their feet were burned while cold water was poured over them to lengthen the agony. These things are not pleasant to think about. But these are the things a man had to be prepared for. Underscore that word, prepared for. We'll come back to that later. These are the things that a man had to be prepared for if he took a stand with Christ. That is big. Is that, is that not huge? That is big time. And you know, as you go throughout history, you see the price that people have had to pay to, as followers of Jesus. It's often huge. And it's, it goes on today. We often are out of touch with it here. But if you live today in Saudi Arabia, if you live in a Muslim country, many Muslim countries, if you live in Indonesia, if you live in Colombia, if you live in North Korea, if you live in these kinds of places, India, Pakistan, when you give your life to Jesus, you take your life and your limbs and your livelihood into your hand. You, you, you put your life on the line. And so... Often, throughout history, often around the world today, when you follow Jesus, the price is huge. Sometimes it's huge. But it's often not huge. Sometimes it's smaller. In our country, it's often smaller, right? So Jesus talks about this, like in chapter 5. Let's go back to Matthew again and see what he says. Matthew 5. He says, sometimes the price you pay is going to be smaller. Now, it doesn't mean it's not painful. We've all been there. It's extremely painful. It's just compared to that, what we just read, it's small. Chapter 5 of Matthew. 
in verse 11. He said, blessed or happy are you when people insult you. Now, have you ever been insulted because you're a believer? Yeah, probably most of us here, if you're following Christ and others know it, you probably have been insulted for one thing or another about, about your faith. Uh, he says, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you and they falsely say all kinds of evil against you. You know, have you ever had anyone slander you just because they hate you because you're a Christian? Yeah, probably a lot of us have experienced that. And so sometimes the persecution's big, sometimes it's small, but here's the point. Whether it's big or small, we need to be prepared to pay. It's part of the package. In fact, that leads us to the third principle on our note sheets. The third principle goes like this, that whether the price is big or small, we need to be prepared to pay. Now, here's where we're in great danger, I think, as American Christians. I think we're in great danger. I think for many of us, we've never really thought this issue through. You see, if you were to live in one of these places I mentioned before, you lived in North Korea, you lived in Saudi Arabia, you lived in Sudan, you lived in China, you lived in Colombia today. If you live in these kinds of places, when you hear the gospel, someone shares with you about Jesus, and you are offered the chance to follow Christ and the gift of eternal life. When you're made that offer, you, you're very aware of the cost that's involved, aren't you? I mean, you're extremely aware. You're not gonna make that decision lightly. You're not gonna say, oh yeah, I'll follow Jesus. No, where, where do I get baptized? Like, oh, they're out to kill me. Never thought of that, right? You're not gonna think that way. What you're gonna think like is like, whoa, I believe this is true. I believe he's the Lord of life. I believe that he has the power over life and death. I want to follow him. I want to give him my life. But if I do, it may cost me. It may cost me my life. It may cost me my job. I may get in prison. It may cost me my family. And so you sit there and you weigh it out, don't you? You put it on the balance. You say, Jesus and forever, <laughs> or this life and, and, and pleasantness now, and you weigh it out, and you, you, you count the cost, is what Jesus, Jesus used the term, counting the cost. You think it through. And so when you make a decision to follow Jesus, and the price, and the, and the check comes, and says, hey, you're a Christian now, here's your check. Here's the bill, this is what you have to pay. You're ready to pay it, aren't you? Because you thought it through. Well, here's what happens, I think, many times in our culture, is that we've grown up as Christians, we come to, as, uh, to Christ later in life, and we don't really think it through because, by and large, we don't have to pay a huge price. We may have to pay a little bit of price. You may have some friends a little irritated with you or relatives irritated. Some of you may have a bigger price than that, but, there, but no one's going to jail. No one's getting beat up, as a general rule. No one's getting arms cut off. No one's losing limbs. No one's getting tortured. You know, no one's losing a life. No one's kids are killed, right? And so we often don't think it through. And so we, we become a Christian, and we never really get this, that following Jesus, there's a price to pay. And, and the irony is, is you have brothers and sisters around the world, they're following Jesus. They're gonna pay the huge price. Often, the danger for us is that when we get the check for being a Christian here, that we're not prepared to pay it even if it's a small check because we have never thought it through. Does that make sense? We just haven't, we just haven't thought it through. It's, like, it's just part of being in this culture. It's just part of our, our world. It's not like something bad. We just need to think it through. We just need to come to a place in our life where we say, am I prepared to pay? And here's the danger. 
In this country, when you become a Christian, you can still be extremely successful, can't you? You can still be popular. You can still be successful. Now, not that there's no price to pay. I don't want to undercut that. But, but you can still, you know, can you make a lot of money in a Christian? Yes, you can. Can you rise in your company of a Christian? Many companies, yes. Okay, can you run for political office? Yes. Right? So, so can you be successful as a Christian? Yes. And because of that, it's such a huge temptation that if I just hide my light a little bit more, if I just cover over who I am a little bit more, I could get to the next level of prosperity. You see? I could be a little bit more successful. So for us, the norm is success. This whole concept of paying a price is really sort of foreign in a lot of ways. And so, so the principle is, whether it's big or small, as followers of Jesus, it's part of the package we need to be prepared to pay. So the question is, are we prepared to pay? And, and I just want to run through three simple questions just to help us think it through, just as, as followers of Christ. Notice there on your note sheet, there's a section, are you, are you prepared to pay the price? Three practical questions. And they all start the same way. Are you prepared to pay the price of dot, dot, dot? And then we'll throw in a word, okay? Number one. So I think the first question we have to ask is, are we prepared to pay the price of popularity? Now I'm starting here because I think this is the most common price that we will have to pay. I think probably most of us, if you're Christians, you're living out and following Jesus, you've paid this price some, but it's a place we have to start. Are you willing to pay the price of popularity? That if you give your life to Jesus and if you live for him full on, there will be a price to pay. There will be friendships that you will lose. There will be people that were upset with you. They'll reject you. You might face some slander. You might face some, you'll, you'll be left out. There might be some mocking. Uh, there, there just you know, might be some uh, ostracism, whatever. You're left out. I... Uh, I have a friend here at Rocky Peak, and about a year and a half, he came to Christ, a year and a half ago. So uh, he'd been a, 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 just a, a great pagan most of his life, and, uh, and uh, you know, hard-living pagan, and, uh, and came to Jesus, and uh, he's in his 40s. And so uh, about a year and a half ago, he came to Christ in a powerful way, really got a good dose of it. I mean, his life has been transformed big time. And uh, uh, he didn't, he's, he, you know, he didn't like talk about it a lot of the job or whatever, but, but it was just like really big time transformed. I mean, his marriage is transformed. His whole perspective on life is transformed. He's got a hunger for the word. I mean, he's just gone from, you know, one extreme to the other. He just, the guy's a changed guy. I mean, Jesus came in and just, you know, just, man, it was, it was done. You know, it's just like it, a lot of stuff going on there. So he works at a place. He works with a group of about 30 guys that have been working together for over 20 years. It's a tight-knit group. It's a, it's a place uh, where, uh, this kind of plant where they work that uh, most guys, you know, stand for, for life. And so he's been there 23 years. And so these guys, they've gone through everything together, these 30 guys. And, and so they've been working together all these years, and uh, they work seven days a week often. And because of that, they're, um, they're almost often see each other way more than they see their own families. And because of the seven days a week thing, they've most of them gone through divorces. And so so on top of that, now you've got, uh, you know, the, you've gone through the ups and downs of the last 20 years. And so they tend to be pretty close. And so they, they've seen him come to Christ, and it's interesting, they most of them have been pretty positive about that. He hasn't been in their face about it or whatever, but he's just totally transformed. And his job, he's got a, a, a lot of time to read, to do free reading. And so, you know, he used to read other things. Now he brings in his Bible. He's got a life journal. He's reading through the Bible, you know, and 
And people are starting to come to him with their marriage issues. They've seen his life transformed, and, and they're coming in with him, in his mar- uh, marriage issues. And people have been pretty positive about this, you know, even though it's kind of a hard-living bunch. And so, so he's there. So last week, he tells me this story earlier this week, last week, that they're going to have a retirement party for two of the guys, two of his closest buddies there, that they've been working, they've been there they're 30, after 30 years of retiring. And so they're sitting around the lunchroom in this area, and they're talking about what are they going to do for this retirement party. And so the guys come up with this plan. There's this bar across the street that they often hang out with after work. And uh, there's a bar across the street, and this used to be his hangout. I mean, he even be comped there. He was there so, he was so, there so often. And so, so they, they thought, here's, what, here's perfect. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the bar across the street, have some drinks, and then we'll go down to that strip club. And this will be a perfect, you know, celebration party. And so, so they're all talking about this. And so they turned to him at a certain point and said, so are you going to join us? You're like the life of the party. You're going to come. And he's like, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I'll be able to make that. And he's just kind of nice about it. No big deal. Didn't make a big deal. You know, I just don't think so. And well, they kept on pushing. Well, why can't you come? Well, it's just not, you know, just kept pushing and pushing. Finally, he said, listen, guys. He says, you know the change I've gone through in my life. He says, it's just not who I am anymore. Now, I love you guys. So I'd love to be there. But it's just not who I am. It's just, it's, you know, I have my faith now. I just, I'm just a different guy. And he said, they're actually quite positive about that. They were actually like, okay, you know, we respect that and whatever. So I get an email from him this week from like one in the morning. He said, Mike, I just got to tell you about this. This is a hard thing. He said, I went through that, that, whole, that whole party thing last night. So they, they, we got off work together. All the guys were going out, 30 guys. I've been together the last 20 years, my, some of my closest friends. And he said, we're walking out. And he said, one after one, they came up to me and they shook my hand. They said, it's not going to be the same without you. Won't you come with us? Won't you change your mind? Won't you reconsider? He said, the hard thing, he said, wasn't going out drinking, not going out drinking. The hard thing wasn't going out to the nude bar. He said, that wasn't the hard thing. The hard thing was being on the outside as friend after friend. So would you please change your mind? Have you been there? Have have you been there? Maybe it's not exactly there, but you understand this price of popularity thing. You understand there's times in our life when you're on the outside looking in. You know, there's times when people will insult you. There's times when they'll, be, they'll persecute you. There's times when they'll slander you. It doesn't have to do, it's not about you. And this is what Jesus wants us to understand. It's not about you. You know, sometimes when this happens to us, what we tend to think is, oh, I must have said something wrong. Maybe I didn't handle myself the right way. It's not about you. I mean, I know there are some Christians out there who are just kind of obnoxious and proud of it, right? There's some Christians like that, that they're out there, they get what they deserve. They got the persecution complex on because they're always in someone's face. They're always rude. They're obnoxious. They're critical. They're, they're judgmental. We've all known Christians like that, and they get what they deserve, but they'll say they're suffering for the Lord. They're not suffering for the Lord. You're suffering for you, right? We understand that. But let's put those off the table for a second. For most believers... The people that will give you a hard time, it's not about you. And that's what Jesus wanted to understand. He said to his disciples, he said, if they hate you, you gotta understand this, they hate me first. It's not about you, it's about me. It's about them being in the darkness and they don't want light around, you see. And this buddy of mine, he loved these guys, but he couldn't go into the darkness with them. He he could love them, but... There was no way he could go to the strip club with them. It just wasn't the right thing to do. And he, he talked to me, Mike, how hard that was, the new believer, how hard that was to stand his ground. But then he stepped back and he said, but I gotta tell you, it felt great afterwards. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, when that happens to you, rejoice, throw a party, be glad. Just get excited about that because what it means is you're gonna, I'm gonna make it up to you in amazing ways. You're gonna be so glad and you are in good company, right? You're, you're with the prophets. Okay, so are we willing to pay the price of popularity? I was thinking, you see this in another just illustration from Rocky Peak. You know, I had a couple of people come up to me after a sermon a few months ago. They're two college students. And they were, um, they're involved in different colleges in our, in our area. I won't mention the names, but they're involved in two, two colleges. And they were talking about how, how teachers had called them out in class, how professors had called them out. This is so inappropriate. It's so unprofessional. But what, what they did is these teachers had come after them because they were followers of Jesus. That's the only agenda. Uh, for example, this one particular class had nothing to do with human sexuality. That's not what the class, this class was about. The teacher, the professor, asked the question in class, it has nothing to do with anything. Hey, I just want to know, you know, large class, I just want to know, are there any of you who think that it's best not to have sex before marriage? Anyone who believes that in this class, could you raise your hand? Just calling them out. And this particular girl, remember here at Rocky Peak, college student? She had the guts to do the right thing. She put up her hand. A couple other students in this large class put up their hand, and then the professor came unglued and started coming at them and what fools they were and how ridiculous they are and how archaic they are. And how, you see? Uh, the other lady was a lady who's also a college student, but she was an uh, older lady going back to college later on. She was in another school in our area. Sad thing about this one actually had Christian roots at one point. She was in a class that was on human sexuality, the teacher asked the question, does anyone believe that there's a moral issue with homosexuality? Raised her hand, came unglued, came on, just full bore on the attack mode. You see? Is there a price that we have to pay as followers of Jesus? Yes. One of those prices is popularity, right? And I'll tell you, as our culture, as it moves farther and farther away from Jesus, guess what? That price is gonna go up, isn't it? Okay, number two. Second price Are you willing to pay the price of promotion? Now, what I mean by this is that for us as followers of Jesus today, you probably won't have to be pay the price, at least in this country, if you stay in this country, and at least over the next you know, few years, whatever. We don't know what the future holds, but you, know, you will not probably have to pay the price of going to jail for being a follower of Jesus. You probably won't be beaten. You probably won't lose your life or lose your family. But I think there can be economic impact in your life for following Jesus. I think that for certain of you, not all of us by any means, but for certain of you, there will be a time when you will miss out on a promotion at work, for example. You will miss out on economic opportunities. You will not get a job or not be delivered a job or not keep a job because of your commitment to Christ. I, I say it's very, really, probably some of you have experienced that already. And so there's times that, hey, if you just weren't a Christian, you could go higher in the company. It's like we can tolerate who you are down at this level, but we can't tolerate righteousness up here near the top, Right? <laughs> It's just like, we, that just will not work. We, you know, you are on fire for Christ. You think everyone needs Jesus. I'm glad that works for you, but we can't have someone like that in the leadership role here. 
I mentioned this last night, but just think of it today. If you are a, a serious Christ follower today, you know, what do you think really are the chances of you getting tenure at one of our state universities right now? It's just, it's just, it's just very unlikely, right? It's just a price you pay. You may be the most qualified. You may have gone and gotten your degree, and you have your doctorate, and you've done it well, and you have everything going for you, but do you think they're going to put someone who really believes that Jesus is God, do you really think they're going to, in, in our culture, and I'm going to put someone like that in a place of leadership in one of our secular years? Probably not. I mean, it's a price you might have to pay. You say, but I deserve that position. Yes, you do. You may be in a company, and you're doing really well in the company, and you're rising up, but your company has a huge emphasis on tolerance. Now, tolerance used to mean in our country that you have the right to be wrong, right? We don't have to all agree on it. You know, that there may be a right, and there may be a wrong, but you have the right to be wrong, and, and we're all going to get along in our, in our country. You have a freedom to believe what you want. That's what tolerance used to mean. You know what tolerance believes now? Tolerance now means there is no such thing as right or wrong. And if you believe there is a right and you believe there is a wrong, you are intolerant by definition. You see, the rules have changed. And so it may cost you, you may be part of a company or a corporation that just doesn't like it that you believe there is a right or wrong. You don't, they don't like it that you believe there is a way and not a way. They just don't like that about you. you know? And it's just gonna, it's gonna be a glass ceiling in that environment. You're not going to get the raise. You're not going to get the, you know, I think that's going to happen increasingly. Some of you are probably facing that. Now the question is, are you willing to pay that price? The answer should be yes. There will be times in certain jobs you'll be asked to do certain things that are unethical, that are illegal. I think of our executive pastor here, Rob Falk that he was in the business world until just a few years ago. Worked for several startups and IPOs and uh, different things like that. And in one particular place, the, he was in a very great position, lucrative uh, position, and they came to him and asked him to do things that were illegal and the accounting end of the things. He refused and he lost his job. That goes with the territory, right? Jesus said, when you stand up for righteousness, doing the right thing, or you stand up for following me, it's either or. There in your note sheet, great passage from the book of Hebrews. You know, the book of Hebrews is written to Christians facing major persecution. They're being tempted to give up on Jesus because of it. And so at the, towards the end in chapter 10, he says, remember, you need to remember those earlier days after you received the light when you first came to Christ, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes, he's reminding them, you were publicly exposed to insult. We've talked about that. He says, sometimes it was persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those who were in prison for following Christ. And you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. See, there was an economic cost to following Christ. You know, are you willing to give up a job? Are you willing to lose a job? Are you willing to have a glass ceiling in your company? Or are you going to hide your light under a bushel, not be who you are, pretend to be someone you're not in order to advance? You see? Are we willing to pay the price of promotion? Okay. Third, third question. Are you willing to pay the price of personal safety? Now, of course, this is the biggest, this is the biggest question. We've talked today about Christians throughout history who put their life on the line. We talked about Polycarp. We talked about other Christians. 
People who have said, you know what? I'm willing to give my life for Christ. Now, here's the challenging thing. I, I've off, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard this really taught. I, I probably have. I just don't remember it in my lifetime. But something we don't talk about a lot, but you, you do understand this. As you read through the Gospels, you get the definite impression. It's really clear. You'll see it in your life groups this week. That Jesus expected that if we follow him, we're willing to die for him. He just expected that. He's, he says it in a million different ways. You know, hey, uh, you know, if you're going to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, uh, anyone who loves me is not willing to give up his own life, is not worthy to be my disciple. I mean, he says it a bunch of different ways. But you read through, and it seems to me, you see what you think as you read things. He seems to take it as face value. If you're going to follow me, it might cost you your life. And if, you, if it does, you need to be willing to pay the price. That's why Christians down through the ages have paid the price, because of his teaching. It wasn't because they just wanted to, oh, I'm, you know, can I go? Yeah. I'll sign up. No, no, it was because this is the teaching of Jesus. And so the question is, how about us? Are we willing to pay? Now, now catch this. we may not be asked to pay that price in this country, but we need to be prepared to pay the price if we were asked. That's this whole count, you count the cost thing. The date, the date was April 20th, 1999. This time it wasn't a long time away in a different time and place. It wasn't far off land. It was right here in our country. April 20th, 1999, state of Colorado, high school campus. Up to that point, not famous. Some of you will remember the story, but I bet you don't know the whole story. It was that day that two mass teenagers, for reasons that we'll never fully understand, because it had just this complex kind of collage of prejudices. They broke onto that campus and they began gathering people today, not uh, together, not haphazardly, but on purpose. Specific people, specific types of people. By the end of the day, 13 people were dead in that school. One of the girls that was collected that day was a young lady named Cassie Bernal, 17 years old. She'd been a Christian for two years. Before she became a Christian, she was into some occult and witchcraft stuff, dabbling around in that. But two years before, she'd given her life to Christ. She's a beautiful girl, 17 years old, long blonde hair. In fact, she was planning to cut her hair and donate it to cancer patients so they could have wigs for those who didn't have hair. She was a member of their youth group. Oh, she's up there. <laughs> Way to go. Um, yeah, you can see Cassie. Um, member, member of the youth group, um, everyone at school knew she was a Christian, full of life, carried her Bible to class. That day, when these two assailants came in the school, she was in the library, happened to be in the library, reading her Bible. They broke in, they gathered people around. There were certain athletes, there were certain racial profiles they were looking for, they were also looking for Christians. They circle them up. And they asked the question, does anyone here believe in God? One of the boys who was there that day was a, a boy named Mickey Kane. He was later interviewed on Larry King Live. He said, you should have seen Cassie that day. He said, she was so brave. She stepped out right to the plate. Anyone believe in God? She did. He went and put a gun to her head and said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And if so, why? And she said, yes, I do. And she began to answer him why. 
And before she could answer, he pulled the trigger, blew her brains out. Here's the rest of the story. Her brother Chris went home that night, the day that she was killed, was looking through her things. He came across a journal, Cassie, something she'd written two days earlier. Apparently she'd been studying in Philippians chapter three where Paul talks about, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of the resurrection. And I understand that means I have to be willing to share in the fellowship of the suffering of his death, but I'll do whatever it takes to know Christ. And obviously she'd been studying that and that, out of that she writes in her journal and it's there on your note sheet. Look what she says. She says, now I've given up everything else. I found it to be the only way to really know Christ and experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again. And to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So catch this, whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the flesh, newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. Two days before her time came, Cassie is reading in the book of Philippians, and she says, I get it. She says, catch this again, look at it again. I've given up everything else. I get it. She says, I, I understand that I'm not really ready to live until I'm ready to die. I get it. And she says, I, I found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to, and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, I will be the one who lives in the flesh, newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. You see, Cassie came to understand one of the greatest paradoxes of life is when we die that we begin to live. And so two days before they put that gun to her head, she'd made the decision. She was gonna do whatever it took to follow Jesus, whatever it cost, because she wanted to know the fullness of his life and she understood that she would never experience the fullness of his life until she was prepared to share the fullness of his death. You see, and she got it, and she was prepared. And so when the time came, Cassie Bernal was ready to say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I get it. I'm in. She was ready. She was prepared. And here's what I believe, men and women, that until we are ready to die for Jesus, we are not really ready to live for Jesus. You see, I didn't make that up. It's something Jesus said all the way through. You'll study it this week in your life groups. Ponder it. You see, this is something that men and women in other parts of the world, they get this. They don't read it and go, oh, that means like I need to give up my whatever. I need to die to my life. I need to be willing to give up my life. Well, you know, my life, I'm into mountain biking. I'm willing to give it up. They don't read it like that. They read it like Jesus meant it. <laughs> hey, you need to be willing, if called upon, to give up your life. And you, you wonder sometimes why Christianity is so strong in the parts of the world where there's so much persecution. I'll tell you why. It's because they've already died. And they're living in the power of a new life. But see, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to enter into the power of a new life until someone puts a gun to our head. We can do it like Cassie did two nights before. 
That's a decision we can make here. We can make it now that I want to follow him. I want to experience his life. I understand that means coming to a place I'm willing to give up my life. I'm willing to do that. I surrender my life. I'm going to live for him. And guess what? The power of the resurrection meets us at that moment. The power of the resurrection resides on the man or the woman who has counted that cost. You see? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for, uh, for young women like Cassie Bernal. We thank you for old men like Polycarp and everyone in between down through the ages who has paid the ultimate price. God, they just serve as such models, such examples, such challenges to call us out, to call us out of a life of mediocrity and having a both and. We want the world, we want you too. And they, they call us to live full on lives, whatever it means, to pay whatever price is required. God, will you give us the courage to do that? Will you change us from the inside out? We know that's impossible for us to have that kind of courage on our own. But we also know that by the power of your spirit, you can change us and fill us and remake us just like you did with those 12 men on the hillside that two years later would run from you when the pressure's on, but would later each give their lives 11 of the 12, for following you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it's a pretty heavy message today, isn't it? It really makes you some soul-searching, kind of soul-searching that Christians around the world have to do routinely. Often in this country, we escape because we have it so easy. The, the, the tragedy is that we who have it so easy compared with not being willing to pay the prices that are required of us when our brothers and sisters are, are paying such a price that's so much heavier. I, I don't know about you and how you answer that question for yourself. Are you willing to die for Christ? I want to encourage you. Because this whole series we've been talking about how, how Christianity is something that happens to us. We're changed from the inside out. It's, it's not something that we just put the, the target on the wall and we say, okay, that's what I'm going to do. It's something that we're changed to be able to do that. I just want to remind you that as we finish up the section of the Beatitudes, you remember those the disciples were around Jesus' feet there on the, on the side of the mountain, right? And they're the 12 disciples, right? The, there's probably more, but the, the 12 were there. Jesus, they heard Jesus, what Jesus said that day, blessed are those who are persecuted, rejoice. And yet, you remember a couple years later, when their time came in the Garden of Gethsemane, do you remember what happened? Everyone ran for his life. And yet, a couple months later, after Jesus had gone back to heaven and the Holy Spirit had come, those guys were transformed. You see the same guys like Peter and John standing before the same people that crucified, that were responsible for crucifying Jesus. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they recognized that they were unschooled men, all of a sudden it dawned on them that they'd been with Jesus. You see, and that's the thing. You don't become a martyr overnight. It, it happens step by step. You see, right now, we just have to be faithful in what God's asking of us right now. Pay the price now. Trust God for the power now. I've always felt like I've, if anything huge has ever called upon me, I'll, I'll trust God for the power then. He's not going to give me the power now. He's going to give me the power now to be faithful now when it's more popularity or those kinds of things, right? Next week, we go into a new section of the Sermon on the Mount. So far, we've talked about the character of the kingdom, who, who, who Jesus wants us to be as people. Next week, we talked about the impact and influence we're to have on our culture. So, so far, it's been who we are. 
now as who we are? How do we impact the culture around us? Jesus will pull up two familiar metaphors of salt and light to help us understand that. And I want to encourage you this week, I've got some extra credit for you, okay, if you're up for this. It's a great movie out right now. I'm slow to endorse movies because, you know, sometimes I like to, you know, endorse something I don't really believe in. On Friday night, I went out and saw that movie, Amazing Grace, that's out. Next week in the sermon, just as it happens to, to be, next week in the sermon, I will start the message with a story, like I started today, but it won't be a story of Polycarp, but it'll be a story of a man named William Wilberforce. He happens to be the topic of that movie. It's, a, it's an amazing story that's a beautiful illustration of one man who is a light in a dark world and who is willing to pay the price. It kind of ties both of these sermons together. It comes at a perfect time. And so I encourage you, if you get the chance this week, make it a, make it a point to go see that movie. I think you'll enjoy it. It's powerful about the influence that we can have as believers. Okay? God bless you. We'll see you next week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Thank you.